KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. In the year 2021, the KYW News Radio Original Podcasting team started off with but one person, Mr. Tom Rickard. But then, by year's end, there were three. And we three be here to recap, or at least try, the year that was in podcasting for KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. I'm Brian Seltzer. Should we turn it over? Let's hear the voice of the man behind the operation. Tom, are you there? That was epic, Brian. I feel like I'm watching the, the Star Wars yellow letters come down slowly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in the A beginning. long, long time ago in January. That's right. Ten years ago in ago. January of 2021. <laughs> that other voice is, of course, Sabrina boyd Circa. What's up, Sabrina? Hey, uh, you know, just doing the thing, making some podcasts. I got to say, we got to... We got to remove Tom Rickard from behind the mic a little bit more. We got to get him in front of the mic doing more stuff like this. He'll That's probably true. say no. My uh, my New Year's resolution for 2021 was not to have any fun. And I think I've done a good <laughs> job of that. 2022, let's let's shake some things up. All right. But I think we had fun podcasting, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, we had so much fun. You know, I've remarked a couple of times over the past few days, just looking back on this past year of like, we have the coolest jobs. We get paid to just like talk about random stuff and then play around with audio. It's so cool. I'm very grateful for that. Grateful for Tom for let, for hiring us to do this. Yes, indeed. This isn't to tap ourselves on the back at all. Not into that, but just maybe for some context and perspective. Tom, do you have a guesstimate off the top of your head how many episodes of podcasts that were produced this year from KYW News Radio, just to give the people a sense of what's out there for them to explore as we begin to run back through the year with some of our favorites. Um, actually, through the magic of editing, we're going to pretend yes. this is not a a long silent space <laughs> because I do have a guesstimate. I actually just did the episodes of in depth since we started this pandemic, uh, which was monumental. We've we've Oof. produced like. 780 episodes of KYW News Radio in-depth since the pandemic started, something like that. Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy <laughs> number. Yeah, I, I would say we've probably made at least like 400 episodes of podcasts this, this year. Craziness. Insane. Might even be closer to 500. Wow. I'm really looking forward to this because I have recency memory where some of the picks that I selected before we hopped on to start and list out some of my favorite pods of the year, either that I listened to or worked on, they're often within the last two or three months from when I started. But Tom, I'm really looking forward to hopefully getting um, some of the best from this year that go a little bit farther back. Yeah, uh, I have a, a couple. I think that I struggle with recency bias as well, especially because every year feels like many years combined into one. <laughs> but I have... Yeah, I've got like two or three from early on on my list, maybe like maybe four. So how are we going to do this? What's the approach here? How are we going to try and curate some lists, some recommendations for people at the end of the year? Okay, so we all have, we all uh, came, we all did some homework, <laughs> came prepared with a couple <laughs> podcasts that we wanted to show off. And it, it's not necessarily like the best podcast of the year, just things that stuck out to us as three people who have the best job in the world and get to make podcasts for a living. So... <laughs> I have, well, I was thinking we could do a draft or something. We each have five names and we'll go for as long as we feel like we, <laughs> this is still interesting. Who's up first, Brian? 
You are, of course. We got to yeah, defer. I think, I think you should start with uh, something from the the before times. The <laughs> BBS before Brian and Sabrina. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to start with a saga, a sort of mini series. We unintentionally made into a mini series on uh, the podcast Gone Cold: Philadelphia Unsolved Murder. So Gone Cold is a podcast I've been making with Chris and Johansson for close to five years now. And uh, if people don't know what it is, the idea is that um, we explore unsolved murders in and around the Philadelphia area and talk with victims, family members, and uh, cops and detectives are still trying to solve the case. The main idea being we want to help people tell their stories who, who can't tell their stories. So I'm cheating a little bit because the first episode of this was released in November, I think, of 2022. But three updates to this story were released in 2021, so I think it still counts. It's the Publicer Jane Doe saga. And this, this story is incredible. In 1988, the bones of a young girl were found... Uh, at the bottom of this, it's not like a well, but you know, this like cistern or something near the old Publicer distillery in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. A couple kids were just walking out there and they, they, they discovered this girl's remains. She was pregnant when she died. And for more than 30 years, no one knew who she was. She was only known as Publicer Jane Doe. So there's this guy, his name is Detective Chris McMullen. He works for the Ben Salem Police, and he has been trying to put a name to find out Publicer Jane Doe's real name. For more than 30 years, he has gone all over the country, uh, tracked down every single lead, and as of November 2020, still didn't know who this person was, who Publicer Jane Doe was. For about three years, she laid there through snowfalls, spring rains, and summer heat. She only had what she brought with her, some clothes, jewelry, and a pair of black stockings. And she had a secret. It seems no one knew she was missing. If they did, they weren't looking. Over the years, they gave her different names and identities, but none fit. And now decades later, she's still a young girl, now cared for by one man for the last 16 years. My first name is Chris, C-H-R-I-S. My last name is McMullen, M-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. And I'm a detective with the Ben Salem Police. The next three months, like the first three months of 2021, were absolutely crazy. Um, we, I'm not going to spoil it, we, but we put out three more episodes about Publicer Jane Doe. And basically, those episodes are about what was happening behind the scenes in real time in identifying and solving, at least finding out who Publicer Jane Doe is. It was incredible. So that's that's my first pick for podcasts that I I really remember from 2021. As you're describing this, this sounds like what they wanted to do in Only Murders in the Building, making a true crime podcast that's happening in real time as they're solving the crime, except like 
obviously that one didn't get executed very well because it was Steve Martin and Selena Gomez and Martin Short. But you guys actually did it and did it well. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Yeah, I, I, At times I couldn't believe like, oh, wait, this is happening right now. And we, it turned from a let's like research this story to like a documentary. Like let's document what is happening right now. Have you guys read Homicide by David Simon? No. You know the book? So David Simon obviously is the guy behind The Wire. That's probably his most popular piece of work that aired on HBO. But he was a reporter for the Baltimore Sun for a while before that. And in the late 1980s, he spent on a year, he spent a year on the streets in Baltimore following around the Baltimore Police Department and essentially tracking the homicide unit. And I'm not done the book yet. I'm about maybe a fifth of the way through it. It's a very long book, but it is incredible just to get the even surface level sense of the amount of detail and factors and circumstances that these homicide detectives have to take into account when they're canvassing a crime scene, especially a murder scene. And really, Tom, I know that you're probably familiar with this just because of your work on the series, how like the first 12 to 24 hours after the crime committed is absolutely the most important period of time to try and get leads for evidence. So I can't even imagine <laughs> decades after the fact trying to retrace your steps and find new leads and get people to speak. It's, it's really insane. It's so hard. Uh, and, and one thing that like every single detective that we've talked to has talked about is how how seriously they, they take their job. You know, some of them like these cases are their white whales. You know, they'll spend an entire career trying to do this one thing. This one guy has a stack of paperwork. This one case file just on his desk every single morning that he goes to work. He looks at it and it's a visual like reminder of the, what I'm trying to do in my career, and um, unfortunately, you know, a lot, a lot of times they're just stymied. It's, it's, it's impossible because a lot of evidence has a half-life. There's no getting new DNA. One of the things we talk about in this series is how much progress there has been in um, using DNA and using genealogy to identify people. So it's a really exciting time to be true crime adjacent. <laughs> right now, a lot of cases are getting popped open. But yeah, it's an impossible job a lot of times to to try and for these detectives who are trying to solve these decades old murders. The way you speak about Jane Doe Publicer is like she's your little sister or something. So what does it mean to you to finally just identify her? It gives her a name. Then she becomes a person. You know, I just don't believe that anybody deserves to just be found like that and then just wind up in Potter's Field without a name. I mean, she she was a person. Somebody's gotta be missing her. Even if her parents are deceased, there's gotta be somebody. You know, it would just mean a lot to me. So I'll jump over to, again, you know, we're gonna get some some recency bias here because Brian and I have only been here four, four months? Like three. Somewhere in there. But I think in that time, one of my favorites, for sure, I won't rank anything, but one of my favorite conversations that I wasn't even there for, but listening back to was our favorite professor, Mark Lucher, and the fail at a pizza writing workshop, which is just such a, it's like a sad and uplifting story at the same time, because we saw this Twitter post to go back and tell the story from Mark Lucher, who is a Temple professor, and Brian, correct me if I miss some details here. He was teaching someplace else doing like a, a residency, and 
living in this building where a bunch of undergrads lived, and he decided to host a writing workshop for the undergrads. He ordered pizza. He announced that there was going to be free pizza, put up flyers around the building, got ready, had the pizzas laid out, and no one showed up. And so the tweet is all about this, and it just ends with, I am actually so sad. And it's a picture of these full pizza boxes and nobody there. And everybody, everybody on Twitter was like, free pizza and no college students showed up? What the heck happened here? So we got him on the rundown and actually talked to him about it. You know, at seven o'clock I got there and I, I you know, I laid out the pizzas. And I'm just like, all right, you know, let's let's do some good. <laughs> and then a half an hour later, I'm just like, no. No, no, no good came of this at all. And I was just, you know, I'm a sensitive guy. And so I was all heartbroken. And I just never thought that anybody would really notice. I figured I'd get a couple, you know, there, there, Mark, you'll be okay. I've been there too, you know, comments from people in my field who do the same thing and who get the same kind of response. But as you noted, you know, it touched a nerve. And and uh, I guess some people feel really, really strongly about pizza. <laughs> I think the big takeaways that I got from listening to that conversation were it's always worth trying. And sometimes trying can be even better than succeeding at your plan. You know, he tried to do this good thing and he posted about it on Twitter and ended up getting way more attention for trying to do this good thing that ended up failing than he would have if it had succeeded. And then he ended up doing a writing workshop online later, got a bunch of people on that and just got a bunch of attention to more attention to whatever else he puts out in the future. Maybe more students are thinking about what it takes to write a good essay. He was also just great to talk to. I, like, it was just a really good conversation. One of the things I enjoyed the most, in addition to just hearing how Mark was able to continue pivoting and put a positive spin on what seemed like a very unfortunate bummer of a situation, was getting the breakdown from Luca Tom, who we all work with closely, she's our digital managing editor, um, about the ins and outs of social media, what makes a viral tweet, and for all the the big wigs who like to say, just just press the viral button. I'm sure we've all been in meetings where someone is saying, just, just make it go viral. The podcast listeners can't see my eye roll right now, but... Yeah, it's just, just do it. Hit the button. Just send it out there. Like, <laughs> it, it has to be the perfect marriage of circumstances. And I loved hearing from Luca, uh, who worked at Twitter before she came to us at one point, just getting her her thoughts on like, what makes a viral tweet? And it's oftentimes something that like, it literally happens in the moment, flash in the pan, you can't possibly like, you're not trying to do it. And then it just it hits a chord. So I, I remember that podcast, because one, Professor Mark was so rad. Uh, he was just a lot of fun to talk to. And there was a lot, like the whole thing was an exploration of existential angst as a content creator, where, <laughs> where you're like, yes, I understand. Like all the time we're trying to find the thing that people don't know that they want to consume. And here's a guy who had pizza that people didn't know that they wanted to consume. <laughs> and it was very sad. <laughs> I think it speaks to like vulnerability and relatability on the internet, you know, like people really, this tweet went viral, I think because everyone could relate to it and, and just also appreciated this guy being so vulnerable and open and talking about a failure, which, you know, social media is so known for being like the highlight reel. And you just post like living the dream, hashtag living the dream, all of that stuff. So when someone actually comes out and is like, this sucked. This went really wrong. You feel for them. 
And you, and you identify with it. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that you try to do something that fails, maybe it touched people because everybody, well, almost everybody that I know, tries to do something good and doesn't always meet with success. And to see other people doing it gives you a sense that you're not alone and you're not a sucker for trying. You're actually part of a, a normal functioning society full of people who are trying to do something good, oftentimes not succeeding, and maybe they also need support. So if anything else, I think it was a way of community building as much as it was a way of affirming the lack of community in that room. I almost felt like this was kind of like an Oprah moment for the rundown where it was like, here's the here's the initial interview, the heartbreak, the pain, the sad story. But then there were a couple follow-ups uh, in the weeks after the fact, because Mark ultimately did have a Zoom writing seminar. And then he partnered with this group called The Brain Collective. Brain is spelled B-R-A-N-E. And if you go to their YouTube channel, the writing seminar that Mark did is actually up there on The Brain Collective's YouTube channel. So it's great. Brian, what did you have? What's your first draft pick? What did I have? My first pick, um, I think I will go with, I'm going to move over to another one of our feeds and I'm going to go with um, In Depth, Love In Depth, and loved hearing the GOAT, Larry Kane, chat with Peter Jackson, the director mastermind behind Get Back, that I'm sure people have at least heard of on Disney Plus, the three-part marathon um, behind the scenes footage of the Beatles making or trying to make some parts of Let It Be. You, you must feel like you know them so intimately. If everything had gone smoothly, it would be not so interesting and you wouldn't get to learn who these four guys are. The point of it is, uh, is that they don't, that doesn't result in the band fracturing and them shouting at each other and then, you know, all that sort of stuff. But actually they, they solve these problems because they are so tight. They have a psychic sort of understanding with each other and they actually love, love of each other. So, you know, we have to make sure it's, it's, it, the nuances are the, the project itself is a bit of a mess. Um, but the but the but the band holds together because of, because of its friendship. That's really the the truth of it. Larry Kane, who worked on TV here and obviously for KYW News Radio, he followed the Beatles through the entirety of their only U.S. tour in '64 and '65, and he got a special thanks mention in the credits because he's one. He aside from Paul and Ringo, he's the only person alive who's seen as many concerts as those two, the Beatles, that were played by the Beatles here in the United States. So I just thought it was a great interview. Really, really cool. If you enjoyed Get Back, absolutely go back in the in-depth feed and check out that chat. It was great. A little personal story about that interview and where I listened to it, because it came out either right before or over Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So I was in Massachusetts with my father-in-law, who is a huge Beatles fan, anything Beatles, he is going to watch, listen to it. He listens to like Beatles radio at home. It's just always on. So I told him, I was like, oh, hey, there's this uh, documentary coming out. We got to talking about it. And I was like, oh, there's, we did a podcast on it. I have it in my queue to listen to. Do you want to listen to that as we drive to my family's place for Thanksgiving dinner? And we did. And so it was just like, a good bonding moment, I guess, you know, I was like, cool, I have something that my team made that I can share with my father-in-law and get him into KYW podcasts. All the feelings. I love it. Yeah. That's the best part about like making things too, is when they mean something to somebody else. Yeah, for sure. I think something that I've learned and gathered from, from the past few months of making just all kinds of podcasts and stories 
is like, there's truly something for everyone. You know, I'm sure we'll get into some of these, but obviously, Brian and Tom, you've done a lot of sports stories where I'm kind of like, okay, I'll go do my thing. You do your sports thing. I don't feel like I have anything to contribute here. But then I also pull in like theater stuff that is very in the th- that niche. Um, the Beatles obviously are something that people are very, very into. Like we're covering all kinds of stories and people get really, really into what they get into, if that makes sense. This has been a productive 2021 for KYW News Radio original podcast. We're having a lot of fun. Tom, Sabrina, and I recapping the year that has been. And after a brief break, we will continue going through our best of the year podcasts. Is it best? I don't know. Maybe it's more like favorites, most enjoyable, fulfilling podcasts of the year. So we'll pick that up right after this break with round two as our draft continues here on The Rundown. Our recap of the year in KYW Original Podcast for 2021 continues right here on The Rundown. My name is Brian Seltzer here with Sabrina Boyd Circa and joined by the man behind the Iron Podcast Curtain. That would be none other than our director of podcasting, the great. It's so great to have him here with us. It truly is. To hear his voice. You you get to hear his vision all the time, but now we get to hear his voice, Tom Record. We have a couple more. Do you want to do a this like lightning round style? Get as many rounds sure. as we can out there? Okay. With my next pick in the 2021 podcast draft, I am taking I'm t- gonna take another gong cold. Uh this is one from earlier this year about Rebecca Park and the hunt for the Fairmount Park rapist. Rebecca Park was uh, was a 30-year-old year uh, Asian woman. She was found back in July of uh, seven, uh, July 16th of um, 2003. Actually, it was the following day. It was July 17th of 2003. And uh, there was a woman that called uh, West Detectives and said um, she was driving one night. It was a hot night so she had the windows down in her car and she heard this um, scream she said that wasn't a normal it was like a blood curdling type scream and they discovered Rebecca in that wooded area so we did two episodes on this the first one is the more um, gone coldy gone cold episode where we interviewed the detectives and everything and then the next one, there's actually a development in that case as well. And so we, we put out an emergency pod when something cool happened in that case. And they got a, uh, they used sort of advanced techniques to come up with a composite of what they think the Fairmount Park rapist looked like using DNA. It's wild, it's some science fiction stuff. So that's my next pick. The. Uh, the two episodes about the Fairmount Park rapist and the murder of Rebecca Park. Was one of them, and I'm sorry for not knowing this off the top of my head, was one of them like the ride-along with the detectives? Yes, that was the that was the first episode. That was what happened to Rebecca Park, the hunt for the Fairmount Park rapist. 
Yeah, I, I thought just the sound of that, the design of that was really cool. And like what, you know, not to get too granular here, but what are we supposed to do as audio content creators? Try and situate you in a context or a place in time. Like you feel like you're in the backseat of the Chevy Cavalier with Kristen and the detectives hearing their recollections and the things that they've tried to piece together and trying to solve this case. I thought it was really neat. There are a few people who are better at like getting sound that puts you in a place and in a time than, than KJ is. Mighty Chris and Johansson. Who's next? Was I next in order? All right. Um, so I got to make sure I shout out our coverage of the 20th anniversary of September 11th. This was like pretty early on when Brian and I started. And I feel like we really jumped right in right off the bat. And we had three different episodes of In-Depth. One that was um, Michelle Durham talking with some first responders who were there who were on site at the the Twin Towers on September 11th, 2001. One was with Judy Reese, who had lost her son, and then one with Tara Bain, who lost her husband. And I feel like this was kind of the pinnacle of really great storytelling by our reporters, first of all. Really, really great sound from Michelle and Hadas Kuznets. And then also just the ability to really play with the sound. Like you just said, Brian, our job is to put you in a place using audio. And I feel like these gave us that opportunity to not just do a straightforward interview, to really create something and build, shape the story. I was 29, 29. And then shortly after that, I was 30 years old, widowed (laughs) in a community that is very family oriented. (laughs) Um, I didn't know what to where, how to proceed with any of it. Like, I guess I did want to have children. Um, and, but, you know, I found myself being in the middle of these, of this community here, which was incredibly supportive. And yet, it, everywhere I looked, it reminded me of what I didn't have. That's a family now. know it's interesting and that was something hearing that story really like that time producing this and hearing all the stories and reflecting on 9-11 really had me just thinking and then like worrying a little bit because she and her husband had kind of just started out just moved into a house they were trying to have a kid they were about my age I think and then he went off to work not expecting any problems and never came home and so now I was thinking like my God, what would I do if my husband, Matt, just like never came back one day and putting, I really felt, I felt a connection there. I guess maybe I just related to her story and was like really could put myself, imagine being in that place and how would I live myself, my life afterwards. So hearing how she lived her life and then how she kept it with her, but used it. She's a therapist. So she art does art therapy to help other people work through grief. And she's better at that because of the grief that she's been through. What are you going to be angry for? I mean, I could wallow in that anger forever. And then, and then I would feel like they won. (laughs) I mean, really, honestly, what they took enough from me. And I say they and the terrorists and those who do evil things. um, I don't want to reduce myself to anywhere near that. I know we said rapid fire and now we, we just can't help ourselves from talking about all of these episodes. (laughs) Uh, But Brian, your turn. I'm going to go with, I really enjoyed, well, 
shoot, there's two. Just two people that I enjoyed hearing from. Your fave trash man and the Philly Fanatics best friend, Tom Burgoyne. I just really like both of those episodes. Fun. Your fave trash man. I think if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd lean a little bit towards that. Just because, like, here's here's a guy who um, obviously has tried to create something out of nothing, seeing a problem in the city, A, trying to address uh, multiple problems, but first and foremost, um, picking up trash and how that's an issue in the city. Uh, but then also, like, you know, through his story, other things come to light, the hazards of the job of being a sanitation worker in a big city. And for me, I, I think I said this when we taped the podcast, and I'll say it again. If you say to me, sanitation worker, I immediately have certain associations with what that job entails and the type of people who do it and where they've come from in their lives. And I think that's a shame. Uh, I'll admit to that. Terrell, was able to paint this picture of like the type of people who truly do get involved in that line of work and um, where people come from and why uh, and how some people have gone on to serve, I think, on city council. I thought it was really eye-opening. In addition to being a fun story, yeah. there was some depth to it too. There's some sanitation workers right now that have master's degrees. You want to talk about diversity? Look at the sanitation yards. There are so many different types of people, so many different types of backgrounds. There's some sanitation workers who have side jobs, like they're artists. They they make T-shirts. At my yard, there was a painter. They, he would just paint on his lunch break. And the amount of stories that you get just telling each other's background. I mean, I, I know a lot of them are being told not to like me and being told I'm making too much noise and being told that I'm bad for the industry. But I, no matter what, will always fight for them. I think they deserve hazardous pay. I think they deserve semi-automatic trucks. I think they deserve better pensions. I think they deserve better pay. He made a really good point about how for certain city jobs, you have to, I, I basically like the barrier to get into any city job. You have to like pass a test or something. And then it's easier to get other city jobs once you've already had one. So a lot of people will be sanitation workers so that they can then apply to be, you know, higher ranking uh, officials within the city. So that that was really cool. I love you, Fave Trash Man. And then also, of course, the Philly Fanatics best friend. That was just a good time. I love how Philly we get in some episodes of The Rundown. Uh, Philadelphia is a truly special place. And the fanatic just encapsulates that. And we were talking about, of course, the fanatic's transition to a different appearance and now back to the original appearance. Uh, so, of course, yeah, that was just a good time. All right. For my next one, uh, I'm going to take a one-on-one -on -one episode. I'm just going to read the description. The title is The Wild Stories of the Eastern Professional Basketball League. Before the NBA G League, there was the Eastern Professional Basketball League. It was the Northeast League, stocked to the brim with great players like John Chaney, Stan Pollack, Hal Lear, many of the teams calling Eastern Pennsylvania home. The league featured larger-than-life characters on and off the court, and the stories are wild. So Matt Leon talked with the authors of uh, this book called Boxed Out of the NBA, Remembering the Eastern Professional Basketball League. They went around and talked to all these players who were in this, like, um, in this professional basketball league, but it was also like a professional wrestling elements <laughs> in it as well. Stories like 
referees who like may or may not have been had alternate agendas in calling games and um, managers and there are some like you know like, like scummy behind the scene manager types and just wild characters. It was a really really interesting and fun kind of history lesson on the line between professional sports and like funded professional sports. <laughs> and I loved that episode. So I want to give my next shout out to our Wine Wednesday episode of The Rundown. <laughs> I feel like this was right when we were starting to come together as a team and started to really have fun with this podcast. And so we had Mike Doherty come on and bring in a bottle of wine from one of the South Jersey wineries that won Best Red of the Year, I think it was. And we talked about how surprisingly good South Jersey wine is. We're sitting here in a studio with a bottle of that wine. And my, should I pour some up for you guys? Yes, let's yeah. definitely pour this up. So for those who obviously you can't see this, we got we we're, we're keeping it very classy. We've got we've got the plastic cups here <laughs> in studio, and each one of us is going to get a little bit of this. Can we go back to something? Um, I feel like the first words that we said, we probably should have hovered on a little bit more, which is New Jersey wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't know, now you know, I guess. I'm from North Jersey, but I I have to say I'm a little skeptical, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Just from the sip that I just took of this, I now know I have to try to find this place. My, my observation, I guess my expectation coming into it, I was expecting a lot of like really sweet fruit wines in, to come out of New Jersey, and especially at... Um, William Heritage in Mullica Hill, they just a lot of really nice dry red wines. Um, totally not what I was expecting. And I don't know if they were. Take a listen to that one and then maybe take a visit to one of those wineries because I'm going to be going there for sure. They were good. They were like actually good. Not even just, you know, uh, good enough. Like it was fine. Yeah. Like we weren't we weren't making this up just to make it sound good. Like that we actually all enjoyed it. And we had some people who were, you know, more particular about wines than others, but everyone gave it a good grade. I think another one from the rundown feed that could be timely in a few weeks into the month of February, if anyone was not following this as it happened real time at the end of October into November, is what's going to happen with John Doherty and Bobby Heenan when they face sentencing at the end of February. And the episode of the rundown back on November 16th called, they thought they had this beat, how John Doherty and Bobby Heenan got it wrong. Pat Loeb, who's been just an ace reporter covering City Hall for decades for KYW News Radio in this city, does such a good job on that beat, really thoroughly breaks down the mindset that the two of them, particularly John Doherty, had going into his federal corruption trial, the first of a couple that he's got to face, um, and then how six weeks later at the end of it, his tone and demeanor was a lot different than at the start of it. One more lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do one more lightning round, and then let's talk about stuff that none of us made this year, <laughs> because you got to listen <laughs> to fun stuff, too. We do listen to other podcasts. Okay, I'm going to say uh, an honorable mention real quick, uh, an episode of One on One with Matt Leon with Emily Messina, who is the play-by-play voice for the yes. Reading Fighting Phils. I thought it was a great conversation talking about not only what it, what it's like to just be the the voice of, you know, double A baseball in a really historic baseball town, but also to be one of the few women working in play by play in the United States, which doesn't happen all that all that often. 
That's an honorable mention. My last pick is going to be, this is going to sound selfish because it's one that I did, uh, but it makes sense because I don't do all that much anymore, any actual work. <laughs> so I'm only going to do the stuff I really care about. The episode was an episode of KW News Radio in Depth. It was called Lessons in Leadership, Service, and Humility. Retired General Jim Pascaret on 38 years in the Army. So the backstory behind this is retired General Jim Pascaret uh, is just one of like the men that I respect most in in my life. We're connected through family. The I, I have the tree, but it's like a very modern family zigzag tree, so it's not even worth <laughs> trying to say out loud. He spent 38 years in the Army, and commander of U.S. Army Japan uh, for a couple of years, ended his career in the Pentagon as a, a three-star general. There are only so many people who get to that point in, in their career. And I really appreciate getting a chance to sit down and talk with him because I, I think about leadership a lot, <laughs> which is kind of a, a fraught pursuit, but something that you end up doing when you feel like you have shortcomings as as like a leader of people or or even just as a team member. So I ended oh, up Oh Tom stop. You're a wonderful leader as we can all attest to. <laughs> I, I I slipped her a twenty before this uh, podcast. <laughs> that Christmas bonus coming that in. Christmas bonus. <laughs> it's a crisp twenty. <laughs> so it was really nice talking to somebody who is a career leader. You know, when you think about like that level of of job, you have overseen directly or indirectly like tens of thousands of people. And your job is to think about effective leadership and to take actions based off of at a, at a really big scale and a really high stakes scale. I've always been a little uncomfortable in an airport or something when, when I was in uniform traveling from A to B and somebody wanted to buy me coffee or something. And best of intentions. I always said thank you. It was always gracious. But I worry a little bit uh, because... Once you start and feel as a person in the uniform that you're better than the average citizen, that's not good. Uh, we serve the American people we, uh, and we support the Constitution of the United States, uh, but we're no better than the average person that's not in uniform. I think uh, we should support our military, but we have to make sure the military earns that respect and they are looked at as citizens that are in uniform, not a higher level of citizens because they serve in uniform. I really enjoyed talking with him. He's a wonderful guy and maybe the most humble person I know, which is incredible because of what he spent the last four decades doing. Yeah, I got to say kudos to you, Tom, on that episode. I, I really enjoyed that conversation, too. You know what? You're giving an honorable mention. I will do so as well. Quick honorable mention to Hadass Kuznets talking about her trip to Israel on the rundown and the differences in how COVID has been handled there versus here. It was just a fascinating look at a different culture and how the pandemic is a global pandemic. You know, it's interesting to think about what's happening in other parts of the globe. The title of that was a COVID culture shock on the rundown. And then I'm also going to be selfish and talk about an in-depth that I produced with Mark Sigel, who was the founder of the Philadelphia Gay News, but also before that just did a ton of incredible work in the fight for gay rights all the way back to like the 70s. He was just so bold in his story. He has so many stories about disrupting national broadcasts. No fear. He just went 
bold and his whole goal was about visibility. So he made himself visible. That's what, what I've always believed in. Do a stunt. And you've, I, I don't mind calling them stunts. Uh, one time, uh, United Way would not fund LGBT organizations. So I uh, got a bike brace and put it around my neck and made sure that they couldn't get in their front doors in the morning. And if they did, they would have broken my neck. So they didn't want to touch me or go near the front doors. Another time I um, went to chain myself to um, the Liberty Bell, which at that time was in Independence Hall. Um, the police had learned about that somehow in advance. And um, they went chasing me around Independence Hall. And I eventually went up the steps above, above the bell and handcuffed myself to the railing. Those handcuffs, by the way, are now in the Smithsonian Institute. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I did strange things. I, I threw things at the wall thinking none of them would ever happen, but you try. I keep telling people in my community, please, please, please think big. Don't think little, think big. He was sitting in front of this just bookshelf full of memorabilia from his like Grand Marshal sash from one from a gay pride parade, the cover of his book, just a bunch of stuff. So like the visuals of it were great too. I think my favorite piece of it was his story about dancing at the White House. Barack Obama invited him and his husband to dance together and how much that meant to him and what he would say to his mother, who has since passed, but she was scared for him when he came out, scared that he would be lonely in his old age and just saying, I'm not lonely, I'm very happy, and look at the life I've built. So great story, great life, just love it. There are some wild stories of that episode. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was great. Also speaking to how many cool people that perhaps you may not have ever heard of right here in Philadelphia and how they contribute to history, not just locally, but on a much broader scale as well. I think I honestly can't remember how the episode turned out, but I think one of my uh, favorite stories, favorite meaning just eye-opening and got me to think about something that I never would have thought about before. Justin Udo did a story about this project called the Purple House Project. It's an episode of The Rundown from October 6th, and it's how this garden um, that this Purple House Project is part of helps women in abusive relationships find cover to get out of the house and possibly seek help and do something both therapeutic and also away from uh, the abuser in their relationships. So I think that that's, uh, to me, a good example. Like our reporters cover so much stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, some of it's the hard news of the day and the story of the moment. Other stuff is bigger picture things that we should probably keep in mind uh, for more, for longer than just a news cycle. And I think things like the Purple House Project is definitely worth shouting out. At the very least, um, if you want to learn more about how to support it or what it does, uh, to go seek that out, find more. At the very least, Google it. Uh, and if you also want to go back and listen to the episode, it's from October 6th in the Rundown feed. Love it. All right. One more round. What is a podcast you want to shout out that you did not make this year? I'll, I, I can start. My favorite podcast this year and uh, <laughs> probably previous years is called Effectively Wild. It's a baseball podcast from Fangraphs, uh, right now hosted by Ben Lindbergh and Meg Rowley. The uh, baseball writer Sam Miller has been sort of been on on and off for a couple years, but uh, is not currently hosting it. And they talk about sabermetrics and baseball news and deep dives and crazy what if scenarios. 
and uh, baseball history. Um, and it is my, it's what I listen to when, you know, you are tired of being stimulated by all the things that you get <laughs> during the day. And I just need to sit back and relax and like enjoy something for me. That's my happy place is that podcast. That totally makes sense. I feel that. And as a podcast producer, do you guys find it like hard to listen to other podcasts sometimes? Cause you feel like you're always in work mode and you're either critiquing what they're doing or just it's more it's work it's like i can't listen to highly produced anything and enjoy it <laughs> i'm always <laughs> diagramming it <laughs> in my head so the only podcast i can possibly enjoy as like a person is, are, is very <laughs> bare bones like cool interviews stuff like that yeah that said kind of along the same lines i think um I, I have a hard time listening to other podcasts outside of work because I'm like, I don't want to listen to anything anymore once I leave the office. But in the mornings when I don't want to get fully into work mode, so I don't want to listen to KYW yet, I've been listening to The Get Up on Spotify. It's probably the only podcast I've talked about aside from my own for the past year. But the really cool thing about it, and this is like something that only Spotify can do, is they mix in music that's tailored to your taste. So it's a little bit of new music, a little bit of your favorite songs based on Spotify's algorithms. But they also do, they do a combination. Uh, it's like a morning show basically, but streaming. So they do a combination of the day's headlines and then just some fun interviews, some fun conversations about like your wildest night out or your, you know, what's on their rotation this week, what they're watching, what they're listening to. It's really fun. And it's one of the only times that I have consistently listened to something like a morning show and really felt like I'm like part of the family and the, these these people, these voices are in my house every morning. So I feel like we're friends. So that's that's my uh, that's like what wakes me up most days. It's it's how I get up, pun intended. <laughs> a group and conversation that I felt like in no way, shape or form I could ever be part of, but thoroughly enjoyed listening to. The Midnight Miracle from Luminary, um, it came out over the summer, and I think it's on Apple's best podcasts for 2021, if anyone has that playlist, if you listen on Apple Podcasts. This is not so much about Dave Chappelle, controversial figure in the news lately, but just the concept of how this podcast was produced. It was him, Talib Kweli, um, Yassine Bey, Mos Def, formerly known as Mos Def, and the production on this. Like, uh, I, I truly don't even know how to describe it. It's like, you know, the needle of the record drops. Um, you got some record scratches. You got all these sounds coming in from all over the place that kind of segues between commentary, reflection, bits. And then they just like kind of stumble into this vortex of getting like really deep and heavy with some subject matter. Sonically, it's just like wild and, and really, really well produced. Um, kind of like to make it sound like a record in some ways. So anyhow, The Midnight Miracle, if no one's heard of it or heard it, I would check it out if you're a fan of sound design. I love it. I'm going to. Guys, this was fun talking about things that make us happy. Yeah. Which is our job. Like we're talking about our, it's not our job to talk about things that make us happy. We're talking about what our job is, which makes us happy, which is nice. <laughs> well, thank you guys for an awesome year. I mean, when it get like mushy for a moment, but we've done some really cool stuff together and I'm so excited to see where we take this in 2022. I feel that. Amen. I'm excited too. Thank both of you for um, your incredible work this year. It's, I, I don't even like want to think about <laughs> what it would be like without 
Brian and Sabrina as the as the KOW original podcast team. But um, you two are why I'm going to remember 2021. And I, I appreciate all your work. You'd probably be working 26 hours a day instead of 24. So I'm happy to shave a few of the hours. <laughs> appreciate off. it. It's true. <laughs> it's true. All right. Love you guys. Happy holidays to all the listeners. And uh, let's onward and upward and make some cool stuff starting in January. More cool stuff. We've already been making cool stuff. I dig. <laughs>